Hey folks, it's Yannick Guzdala. It's the Yannick Guzdala podcast. We're talking about a couple of things today related to pedals. We're talking about signal chain, a deep dive into the new pedal board I just built, and how I'm going to actually complete it. It's not done yet. There's a couple of minor details still to go into the build, and we're going to go over some of the options in this week's episode. And for those new to the channel, for those new to the podcast, this is the one video, if you're watching on YouTube every week, that is a little bit longer form, zero editing, straight off the top of the dome, and uh, kind of pick a subject, and away we go. So if you're here for the bite-sized chunks of information. This isn't that, uh, but stick around because we're going to talk about some some bite-sized pedals and potentially some information that I hope will be uh, useful to everyone listening to all the bass players around the world that come up with, I'm sure, the same issues that uh, that I face here with the completion of this board. And this is going to be kind of a, a deeper dive from the from the Swiss Things, the Earthquake Devices Swiss Things video that I posted just a few days ago kind of chronicled how I put the board together, where it's currently at, and what I was using the Swiss things for. That video was really about that pedal more so than the overall uh, look at the board. And I'm going to go into a few things because there's still the clean sound that isn't complete as far as I'm concerned. So if you ever had questions about signal chain, if you had questions about preamps, about compressors, about where any of that stuff goes, DIs, how to split the board in two like I have, how to use multi-effects and single pedals, this is the episode for you, my friends, my bass playing friends around the world. And yeah, let's get into it. Before we do, one quick announcement, because this always happens that I forget and I wait until the end of the episode and I get so many messages about this. I want to get it out there. As we start here, two things. Um, this week, it's sort of becoming a weekly announcement because these things sell out so freaking fast. This week, uh, what is in stock here in the store in terms of physical books, the signed copies of my books that I do, uh, we have some chordal harmonies. We actually have a bunch of 251s because I just did a video on 251s. wanted to be in stock for that. We have some bass player's guide to altered chords and scales left. We have a bunch of bass player's warm-up. Uh, and we have just in, literally today, all the good stuff and all the better stuff. As always, they're in pretty small batches. I didn't order hundreds of these. I get them by the tens, sometimes 20 of each book, just to keep track of inventory and uh, see what's popular, see what's not. Also, there are a very few of uh, of these left, of these... Uh, let me see. <laughs> Can I open this probably? Of The Union, my album from 2019. A few weeks ago, I found a box of these sitting in storage uh, that had been just sitting there since 2019. And there are a few of these left. They're available on the website. I think there are about 10 left. I found a few extras. I put a bunch on sale before, but I found a few extras in yet another box. So there are 10 of these signed copies of The Union with Clarence Penn, Russell Sorota, and uh, Philip Dizak with John Patatucci producing and my rather wonderful wife doing all the design and the packaging and the artwork and all that stuff. She's what makes it look beautiful like that. So those are available on the website. That's it. That's the commercial portion of the episode out of the way. All links are below in the description of the YouTube video. Let's get to some some pedals. Um, if you haven't seen the video, uh, it's only about 10 or 11 minutes long. It's worth checking out. I'll link it in the description below or in the show notes. It's the previous, it's the latest uh, kind of deep dive or, or rather close, not so much deep dive, but close up look as to exactly what's on this board in front of me. I know the camera angle doesn't exactly uh, lend itself to seeing all of this. I don't have any fancy multicam shit going on right now, but we're here to talk about signal chain and how I do it and why I do it and what comes first, what goes last. And 
where hopefully by the end of this episode where we're going to end up in terms of adding things to this board because there's still i think two things i'm going to hazard a guess that it's two things that i need to add to this board potentially a preamp and potentially a compressor and i have a bunch sitting on the table here to talk about and uh, give the pros and cons of and hopefully maybe fill in some gaps in information you have on the subject so let's see almost always up front if we if we get to the pedals that sort of really affect the sound of the bass in a big way and i'm going to leave the compressor and the preamp out of that for now because i'm using the swiss things because i'm using these two uh two separate loops in the pedal board i'm going to have that in my natural up the center clean bass sound my side man my touring musician my my touring rig sound basically um that's what that that's going to be and We'll get into that. I'm going to hide them under the board. They'll be always on pedal. So I consider that sort of the through um, as opposed to the the, the effects um, signal chain itself. And let's say you're not splitting the board up. Let's go there because I know a lot of people are not going to be using this parallel loop situation. Um, I've gone back and forth as to whether I want the compressor at the end and I want my whole sound and all of the effects and all of those things compressed that you know if I'm going for a really specific thing if I want supreme consistency in a synth based sound or something then perhaps I'll put that compressor more towards the end because I'm pushing something really consistent into it uh, like some kind of uh, square wave some kind of octave um, to create sort of a classic synth bass sound i'll generally put the compressor and that kind of stuff at the end maybe the preamp will still go up front in that case if it's you know if i look back a year or two i will have had a preamp right in the front um and maybe the compressor i've also well <laughs> before i commit to saying that's what i do i've also flip-flopped on that as well compressor first then preamp preamp first then compressor i guess what I'm realizing as I tell you this is that it all really depends on what your use case is, on what you want it all to do. Um, so probably you want to start there. You want to ask yourself the question, hey, what do I need out of the thing that I'm going to take to gigs and the thing that I'm going to take to the studio and you know potentially take on a plane or on a bus or on a train and go on the road and play live music with? What do I want out of that? Well, right now uh, in the beginning of 2024, here in February 2024, what I want is the ability to have an amazing, clean sound. I put clean in inverted in air quotes because that is going to involve a little bit of preamp and a little bit of compression, potentially. So it's not exactly clean, but that unaffected, no, no chorus, no reverb, no uh, bit crushing, no distortion, no octave, none of that. I want that really well-preserved, natural sound of the instrument straight up the middle. And right now, I don't have either of those things. I don't have a compressor. <laughs> And I don't have a preamp, except the preamp in the in the bass, of course. And it, 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 right away, I'm in, I'm in the headphones here. I have, maybe I'll take one ear off because I have the amp on in the room. You know, and it, of course, it's going to depend what instrument you're playing. I'm playing this new RKM um, double P, like double reversed P, this thing that I got at the NAMM show. That they were kind enough to uh, to gift me. Really beautiful instrument. I've been playing it a bunch the last couple of weeks. That's what I'm playing right now for those of you only listening. And I love the sound. I mean, I fell in love with the bass as soon as I picked it up and I connected with it. So that sound already is awesome. I can totally just walk into the studio, walk onto most gigs and play that and be totally fine. 
Um, so maybe if I'm playing the Matheson, I want something a little different. It has a totally different setup uh, in terms of pickups and electronics. And then maybe I want a little more action from a preamp. Maybe in certain situations I want a little more action from a compressor if I'm palm muting. There, there are so many details that go into it. This, I guess I should have prefaced this whole thing by saying, you know what, there's no definitive way. There's no one way to do it. There's no like you have to put the octave in front of the fuzz pedal for instance it, it just, the, the rules that there just aren't any real rules um because it all depends on you and on what you want out of it there are some maybe some best practices and some things that will get um best results for certain styles shall we say and you know i'm somewhat i would say known for using an oc2 style octave pedal and some sort of bit crusher or sample rate reducer <laughs> So that kind of sound, and I, I wish I could tear these off or just switch the order of them right now to show you that putting the bug crusher, the bit crusher, before the octave would not produce that sound. So in order to produce that sound, as with any sound, there are definitely some best practices, but there's no right or wrong way to do it because at the end of the day, it's all about what you need and what you want. And it's about getting it to sound, it's about getting it to, to, to sound like what you hear. You know, I think we always have these we sort of hear what we want ahead of time or sometimes we hear what some someone else did and we want to copy that but when we're at least when i'm really working on something new or something unique i hear something and then i've got to try and figure out how i match with the instrument with the pedals with the setup with the amp and all that stuff the pa system if i'm playing live how i match all of that to what i'm hearing and it it's quite rare that it's exact. It's quite rare that I hear something and then I can exactly find the way to produce it. But what it does is, is give me sort of a never-ending set of things to work on, which is always fun. So I get to nerd out and talk about things like this to, to all of you fine people of the bass community. So that's that's something I'm kind of a little bit, a, a little bit known for, I would say. You know, as is, you know, John Davis and Tim LaFave, and we're all kind of the, the OC2 crew, um, you know, Juan Alarete and uh, Jonathan Hishke, and they're, they're a bunch of us in the, in the OC2 camp. Um, I have since switched to the MXR Vintage Bass Octave, simply because there were two reasons, really. Number one, MXR actually used my exact Japanese, one of my exact uh, Japanese um, OC2s from the very, very beginning of when they used to make that pedal back in, I think... I want to say 1982 was the first year of production, October, if I'm being a super nerd and remembering correctly. I don't know. Don't, don't quote me on that. But I have a few of those from back then, and MXR literally borrowed one of mine to clone to put in the vintage bass octave. So it's sort of my pedal. It's not even just an OC2, but it's actually my OC2 in there, which is kind of cool, actually. Just Not even that they did it and it's out there and, and people are sort of playing one of my personal pedals, kind of. Um, it, not that at all. It's actually just cool that I can get that, recreate that sound pretty much exactly. And the footprint is tiny. Uh, uh, I do have... I have a few of them, I think, so why don't I grab one? Why don't I grab one and show it to you? Like that thing is tiny. If I hold that up next to a, uh, oh well, why why don't I hold it up next to the one they cloned? There's the OC. That's the one. 
this is the one the octavo with the r on the end and that specific color and the slightly raised uh power input all the telltale signs uh, plus the serial number when you see inside it's a super low serial number those are all the things you use to date the boss pedals uh and look at the size i mean it's, it's it's night and day the footprint is what less than half the size um so that that alone is a massive you know a massive bonus and it's sort of has that little mid button on it as well so you can kind of get the the other one the bigger blue mxr sound out of this as well you can kind of get it with a little more bite and the tracking is a little bit more modern a little bit more reliable than the old oc2 so i've since switched to that just because the old OC2s are a bit of a pain in the ass to be on the road with and they're kind of glitchy. I still use this in the studio and I'll still use it to record, but that's more of a stay-at-home pedal. It's in unbelievably good condition. It's worth a small fortune now and I have the original box. It's like really, uh, yeah, more become more of a collector's piece, especially once MXR bought this out. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Um, you know, Tim LaFave uses the the octava the 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 three leaf audio we've all kind of changed a little bit. i know john davis who's using an old pearl octava for a while those are amazing pedals i really love those that's one big hole in my collection i really wish i had the old pearl octave pedal um one day i'll get that but they i think they're going for a small fortune now and they do a very similar thing to the oc2 i think that's why i never picked one up back in the day but john davis had one for a while i know he uses the oc2 um yeah and we, we all although we we cornered the market for a while in the in the brown box we've sort of i guess moved on in a in, in a way i keep I keep uh, bugging Yoshi at um, at Boss at Roland to bring out a Waza OC2. None of this OC3 or OC5 nonsense. None of this modern stuff. But actually, bring out a Waza Waza Craft OC2. I think it would be amazing. That would that would get me to go back and uh, and start using the bigger footprint again. I think because kind of what they end up doing with those Boss pedals in this form factor when they Waza them seems to be really quite incredible and rather robust so i'll keep bugging them i, I don't think it's going to happen but I, I i will try my best to 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 be an influence in that department anyway so that is that's in my in my loop one and there are some best practices for that you know i'm sorry i'm going to jump all over the place here a little bit i'm so distracted by all these pedals and a thousand things that are going on um as i'm doing this live but that's that's kind of what's always been up front in my pedal board i've always had an octave pedal followed by some kind of fuzz or distortion or bit crusher something like that right now i don't actually have a fuzz a real fuzz or a distortion or overdrive on the board i have two well sample rate reducers really and bit crushers uh one's the bug crusher the bug brand that's coming into view very slightly there on the camera the others on the lower shelf is the iron ether front actually i have a second one of those i can show you see i was worried i didn't have duplicates of everything on the board but quite a lot of these things i do one second here we go this is basically the unobtain one of the uh more unobtainium pedals in the world simply because um Iron Ether just doesn't produce a lot of these uh, ever, actually. I was going to say any more, but ever. They like, it's just one person and they put up limited runs. I think they're doing pre sales now, but it's really just a one person operation. It's not a mass produced thing. And 
I have a spare because that really is like if I had to you know pick five pedals for the rest of my life this would be one so I've got that which is in really good shape it's basically in mint condition hardly ever been played I have a definitely more road worn and toured version on my board but that's still doing great um so yeah i don't have a traditional fuzz or distortion on the board right now uh, having said that i should give a little plug to lucid hand right here because i'm going to do a video on these two bad boys this week lucid hand um awesome little company another one person company in the uk uh the alma comp compressor really nice compressor been messing with this the last few days and the ground and pound which i think is based on a proco rat really nice distortion overdrive kind of thing so i've i've definitely since i got this the ground and pound i've definitely thought about putting that on the board i need to mess around and see how effective it can be with an octave pedal to make synth based sounds because that's generally what i'll use it for in the types of situations i find myself in and especially for my own music not normally just hacking away with a pick with a wide open distortion sound so yeah look out for videos this week i think the next episode of the pedal studio will be on there, those two lucid hand pedals beautiful pedals but yeah what i have instead is the is the bug crusher the frederick effects bug crusher which gives me that kind of synthy reduced sample reduce rate reduced rate sound some sort of uh, almost like the square wave or triangle wave or some kind of you know what a fuzz pedal what I would be using a fuzz pedal to do anyway that comes right after the octave and because I have that sort of split into one side of the board i have the octave pedal i have the f emeron which is an fm synth pedal and a different flavor a different take on the octave way more synthy and kind of open it up I don't normally have that much of the FM in there. And I can have it go the opposite direction. Take all the clean out. Bring the clean back in a little bit. Really, really fun pedal. So I have two flavors of octave pedal, and so it goes MXR into the Ephemeron, and then after that, I have the Frant a bit and the Frederick Effects Bug Crusher. So I can do two kinds of uh, fuzzing, if you like. The Frant a bit can be a little more gated fuzz-ish. Um, if I put that in here. Probably, uh, you know, I'd go more with like the BB bass preamp or something if I wanted it to be more manageable and consistent. The Franta bit is sort of a wild card, and then it has it has two different. It has a toggle switch which is um, degrade and obliterate, and when you go into obliterate mode, it even turns into more of a ring mod. <laughs> Thank you. 
so it's a real kind of wild card pedal totally crazy and you you can do some you know quite out there stuff So it's got range, let's just put it that way. And uh, it, But it's weird. It's not something that's the most repeatable thing. Um, it's not programmable. It's all knobs. There are no presets. So you, it, it is what it is. And that's kind of why this time I brought the Bug Crusher back so that every time I step on it, I can have it set one way. It's just two knobs, the rate and the balance. And I can have this totally consistent and repeatable comping sound that, that really fills out the bottom of the band. So that's kind of how my signal chain works from an octave and, well, distortion for want of a better word. I, I know a lot of people are going to use fuzzes and distortions and overdrives way more than they're going to use bit crushers and sample rate reducers. Um, that's just how I like to do it. And, it, you know, we're talking about years and years and years of doing this stuff now. And I started with, let's see, with the, the Softec, uh, the baseballs by uh, Electro Harmonics, the big uh, black one with the one knob and the, it's like a filter, like a filter with a fuzz in it kind of thing. And of course, with the uh, Muga Fuga MF-101, the low pass filter, really big bulky pedals that I was doing that kind of low end um, manipulation with, with those kind of sounds. And I've gone through everything, the Woolly Mammoth by Zivex. It's another one that's really hard to control. Um, the BB Bass preamp. Um, I've had one from Maleco Heavy Industries. That one's right here. I'll show you that. This little guy, uh, it's just fuzz, Maleco fuzz, two, two, uh, two knobs, one little, one button, and inside there's a dip switch actually, which gives you some kind of octave options as well. Really versatile little pedal. I think it's another one, one of those cases where they don't make it anymore, which is really sad because that's the same size chassis as the MXR, or is it even thinner? No, it's the same size as the MXR vintage bass octave. Like, look at these little guys. Those two together, unbelievably powerful little octave bass and synth setup almost in those two tiny pedals you could run them off one spot although this one says it has a 200 milliamp draw that's pretty big uh it's pretty heavy for one of those pedals for a small pedal but um yeah look at that this tiny tiny footprint it's like still it's still smaller than one boss oc2 <laughs> you can hide these two guys behind a boss oc2 and that does so many different things um so yeah, that's those are kind of some of the places I've been with that part of the board. And like I said, I have bounced back and forth between compression at the end, compression at the beginning, even having a preamp at all. Uh, maybe before we get to the second half of the board, the deep dive, maybe we should talk about the preamp situation. Um, let's actually put the bass down for a second because I pulled out a ton of pedals to show you. Let's start with some of the heavy hitters the real big boys like this one's even got its own pelican case and ah it is dun, da, da, da. it's a noble it's one of the very first ones ever made it's actually serial number 
nine you can see there on the back and jack signed it he actually recently um jack roan the founder and the, the the boss of the company of noble he actually recently serviced this for me which is awesome so it's in like better shape than it's ever been in the ground switch i think was uh i'd stepped on it um, on a gig or something and haven't taken it out of the house other than to go to the studio since so this is not so much a touring pedal it still has the power supply and the tubes on the outside you'll know the newer noble designs have all of that inside and a way more touring and traveling friendly actually a new design the new design noble would fit underneath uh the 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 shelf of the pedal board i should actually explain a little bit about that as well so this whole thing is hinged if i can hold this up to the camera you can get an idea of let's just unplug the volume pedal you can get an idea of what's going on here you can see the back of the pedal board there all of this space underneath it's a bit of a mess because i haven't tied down all the cables yet because i haven't done the preamp and the compressor but this whole thing is hinged for anyone who doesn't know these vertex effects pedal boards so that opens up and basically i have my whole power situation underneath the riser it's a Chox DC7 for anyone who's uh, who's interested. Not a sponsor. Wish they were. I love their stuff. Their sw these switching powers, power supplies are unbelievable. You have 9, 12, 15, and 18 volt options on every output. There are seven outputs on here. And I uh, think each output has up to 600 milliamps it's just, and it's switching voltage as well. So uh, 110 to 240. It's an unbelievably fantastic power supply for touring for everything so anyway long story long there's all this other real estate under there so for always on pedals that's where the compressor and the preamp is going to go um I, there's also still space for um for an extension i have the chox 4 uh, which will also go under there. It's a little extender, gives me four more power outlets. So when I put the preamp and the, com and the compressor underneath, that's what will power them because I'm maxed out the DC7 now. But with the DC7, I'm running an HX Stomp, the Swiss Things, the Bug Brand, Bug Crusher. Um, I've got a Ditto uh, Stereo Looper here. I've got the Chase Bliss Dark World, the Plardesk Backlings, uh, the Frantabit, the F Emeron, and the MXR Vintage base octave it's a lot of stuff to be running out of one power supply it's completely silent and uh just fantastic i've had nothing but good experiences so i'm shaking the camera as i get the pedal board back on the table I had nothing but good experiences with chocks so far danish company i believe um so let's just plug the volume pedal back into the swiss things so yeah so that's what's going to go that's where sorry um whatever i choose is going to go so let's yeah the noble um it's obviously a ridiculously great preamp it's a really specific thing it's a tube thing it's beautiful sounding it's huge um not only is it huge sounding but it's kind of a large footprint as well and, and like i said i have really a, one of the originals the old one number nine um so it's not really so geared up for touring but it's something i cherish it's something i love it's something i use for recording um sadly it's not going to make the cut on this little touring board um, for obvious reasons i have another amazing thing here the caveman bp1 this is the compact version bp1 compact it's basically a neve 1073 in a pedal uh, again it's a large form factor it's almost as big as an hx stomp um, just comparing the two here and unfortunately, I, I would totally put this in my board, but unfortunately it is just like two millimeters too high to get under the riser. Now, 
that may well be because my riser has been bent and it kind of sags in the middle, which is unfortunate. And it's a really stiff piece of metal. It is very well made, but I think the airline just did a little bit, you know, we're a little bit stronger than the, than the steel and it, it got crushed in the, in the luggage hold at some point. Not crushed to the point where anything got crazy broken, but there is a little bit of a bend in it. So that loses me a couple of millimeters of real estate. Otherwise, the BP-1 compact would be a good contender. Actually, I just think, I think I tried before. I think it is just a millimeter or so too tall to go on the traveling board, but it's an unbelievable preamp. I have the BP-1, the big boy, in my studio permanently that's what i use for recording um and i have two of these for when i'm running a stereo rig that's a really nice luxury i can run a stereo rig pair of di's um there's also yeah that brings up a good good point as well it's like do you want a di on your pedal board um you know what's up with that i generally haven't had one for the most part on most of the touring rigs i've had i've just taken a line out of the amp normally i know exactly what i'm using you know of course now i'm using the the ampeg the venture series so i've got a v3 here in the studio it's going to be similar to what i'm using on the road either the v7 or the v12 and they have a spectacular di on that but it is a question like could i could i find something that works um and sort of bypass the amp situation on stage and not have to take a line out of there take it straight from the pedals um definitely something i'm thinking about obviously the caveman does that the noble does that um i have a miura k3 that does that again real estate wise it's a little bit too high although it's a beautiful preamp um i have um this <laughs> i love the fact that this is passive here's another low serial number there's actually a yannick was prototype i don't know if you can see that there this is serial number five this is from teletronics the tdi made down in melbourne australia really nice clean super clean quiet di it's not a preamp though um, but it is a beautiful di but it does need uh phantom power which is something i'm not sure i'm not sure about i'm not sure whether i want to deal with that um and it's an extra box so i'd have to have a preamp and also run this di as a separate box underneath and then if i'm also using a compressor that's three things that then go under the riser so these are all you know super nerdy but really worthwhile things to consider asking yourself like what exactly do you need um i used to try and take so much stuff <laughs> i grabbed this to show you guys oh my god um, i used to leave the house with so much gear and this oh christ even just the board is huge so for context let's just put a boss pe <laughs> one there's one boss pedal okay there's one oc2 now compare that to the rest of the board and you could get what well let's figure it out actually i'd love to know how many oc2s i could fit on this board one two three four five six seven eight so eight wide and three deep so three eights potentially 24 oc2s on one pedal board this is a monster it's not even the biggest one that vertex makes and as you can see it's full of um dual lock i've used this a bunch before i've i've laid out ugh, i've laid out many pedal boards on this thing i've taken it to so many gigs it's just overkill and i wish it wasn't i wish i had a tech i wish i had a roadie i wish i had 
shit my own plane maybe i don't know what it would take to really take that on the road because i could make some and have made some beautiful sounds with it with the amount of stuff i'm able to uh to include on a board that size but what it has taught me um what, what being on the road has taught me over the over so many years is how to make the most of what i have and to know that i don't need all that stuff to to still make great music and now as i'm you know as i talked about in the previous video about the swiss things and as i'm thinking about now as i rebuild this board it's really important to have that clean sound the most basic thing of all something that sort of i guess just came naturally uh to a certain extent um but i didn't really think about it in terms of pedals in terms of the signal chain in terms of buffered loops and just buffers in general and how to get all the noise and the tone suck from all those other pedals when you have all those pedals in series not all pedals are created equal and i'm not even going to pretend to understand the science behind it i'm literally going on what i've heard mason marangella the, you know, the rig doctor talk about what i've I've spoken to uh, about several pedal great pedal builders and and they've they've tried to explain it to my very uneducated brain about buffers and how all you know literally how all pedals are not created equal and true bypass isn't always true bypass and series is a thing and by the time the signal gets from one end to the other it's kind of changed a little bit so it's uh it's not unlike how i describe improvisation and how i'm always talking about hey i don't want you to think about scales and about chords and about harmony and about anything basically when you play because the more links you put in the chain the bigger the distance between you having the musical idea and it coming out and being transmitted to the audiences really you want the musical idea and the performance to just be two chains that are linked together that never break and never have anything put in between them and I, i'm getting that way with the with with the pedal board with the way i think about my clean sound and the way i think about really being a bass player no matter what other you know uh, sort of personal identifiers i have on the board what other flavors and weirdness i i, I want to take with me and you know signature sounds perhaps that i'm kind of known for i really am thinking about the integrity of the natural sound of the bass more than ever and uh it's something i've been pushing myself to do it's uh, you know play different instruments and not be married to one thing all the time and here i am playing a four string with you know 34 inch scale really wide spacing <clears throat> p style maple neck it couldn't get a lot further from the five string high c single cut mattison that i play 98 percent of the time <clears throat> and to be able to do that i've had to you know be less precious about about how i how i approach things and um i think i'm getting more precious about the bigger picture and less precious about the the little the smaller details so that's that's why i'm here that's why i'm at that's why I am where I'm at right now in terms of the preamp and the compressor thing, the last pieces to go in this board. Um, and that's why I'm not phased. You know, 20 years ago, I would never have played another bass besides whatever my main bass was at the time, the Federa probably. I just wouldn't have done it, especially not in public. And it would have taken me weeks to play an instrument and get used to it. And, you know, I had a P bass, of course, and a couple of things. 
but those are things I really, really worked at. And now I'm just like, I don't care. I'll pick up any bass and be able to do my own thing. So I want the board to sort of reflect that as well. Um, so other options here. And I wish I had all the time in the world to do a three-hour episode and have multiple cameras and just like plug all these things in and show you. You'll have to come back to the channel and hear the finished result, what I end up choosing to go in this board, maybe come out and catch a show. Going to be plenty of tour dates here in 2024. Um, something I've been using a lot for many years now, I guess since uh, pre-pandemic for sure, is the Exotic uh, EP Booster. And that is basically when you select the vintage uh, mode in the dip switch inside the inside the pedal, you have to take the back plate off and, and mess around with the dip switch in there. But when you select the, I think it's called vintage, if I'm not mistaken, it basically gives you the preamp circuit of, of an old Echoplex. Um, and then I turn the volume of the boost element all the way down so it's not boosting my signal when it's on. And I just leave it as an always-on pedal as a really nice sort of vintage-sounding preamp. And they're super affordable as well. The quality... Like I mean, it's a hefty pedal. It's w way heavier than the than the uh, vintage bass octave, even though it's same chassis again. Another one of these mini enclosures, which I love. It's way way heavier than the Maleco Fuzz. Just a beautifully made pedal. Just and aesthetically, so I like the brushed steel and the plate they put on with the. I just really nice. Um, obviously, they're not paying me to saying this i went to guitar center and bought this one i think i paid i might even have bought it used uh but either way they're not crazy expensive and i think they are massive bang for the buck massive fan of the ep booster by exotic i think i paid maybe 110 us dollars for it which for a preamp that sounds to me that good it's that, that is like super value for money um so this i sort of get the impression this might be the winner on this board just for space and quality alone. That could do it. Other options I have here and stuff I've loved forever. I've had, let me see if I can find, because I want to show you the evolution of the exotic, um, the Trilogic. Actually, this is by EWS. I think they changed company names. Hang on. So the Trilogic. I've got the Trilogic and the Trilogic 3. Was there a 2? Hang on. Was there a 2? Was there a 2? Yes, there was a 2. <laughs> and I have it. What do you know? Okay. I love it when, when parts of the library are complete. So look at this big, big sucker right here. This is the Trilogic, the original one. This is by Exotic. Boom, big box, big boy. Dip switches, one, two, three, four, five knobs, um, just in and out. Yeah, simple, but kind of big. And I think 18 volt, yeah, this one's 18 volts. Then we get to the Trilogic 2, definitely uh, an upgrade in terms of space. Um, five knobs uh, and the, the switches on the side as not toggle switches, but just these kind of I don't know what you call those, sliding switches on the side. Really nice. Um, that says, now that says EWS. I believe they changed or maybe they split up. That's the Trilogic. That's the two. And then uh, the three, same chassis, same, ooh, slightly larger, actually. A few millimeters larger, the enclosure. Different, um, different finish, but that's the Trilogic. Three, 
I, I loved all of these. Um, I've used all three of these preamps on my board at some point, at one point or another. And the Trilogic 3 is something uh, I've used most recently. Some of these knobs were miniaturized, which I really dig. There are two toggle switches on the front, a high-low, a middle, like a whole bunch of stuff going on here. So EQ and all kinds of stuff. And this is a 9-volt. Some of these, I believe, you can use a signal booster on. In fact, I think the EP booster, you can use a signal booster on to boost it up to 18 volts and give you a little more headroom. Um, yeah, so again, it's not a huge form factor, and it has a few more features in terms of EQ. I'm not sure I really need those. I'm not a massive EQ guy. I guess that's another topic. There's so many things to talk about, even with the basics, right? It's crazy once you get into the weeds. Um, and again, it's like, you know, if I was doing a certain gig, I'd absolutely be an EQ guy because it, EQ guy, because it would be a necessity. You know, if I was doing a metal gig, I'd really want control over the EQ. You know, there are things I talked to Henrik Linder about, about dirty loops, for instance, where he's EQing things, you know, different notes within a bar because everything's running to a grid and he's using the, the axe effects and and is able to like sequence the the eq so one note in the you know one note in the baseline will pop out like a slap note will pop out when everything else is finger style crazy stuff so yeah it's not that i'm I, I don't like eq it's just that for the most part the natural sound of my instrument is the natural sound of my instrument i don't really need a bunch of eq so uh, again on the fence about whether it will be the trilogic three um or whether I'll stick with the with the EP booster. Uh, what other options here? Well, the SCR DI, um, I'm going to say it's not my favorite DI, although it has a couple of cool things that I really dug. But uh, more importantly, Ampeg came out with a new one, SG something or the other, um, which has a bunch more features in it. And I played it at a, at a recent hang, pre-NAM show hang, and thought it sounded kind of fantastic and it has the the b15 emulator in it which is one of the only things i've ever heard that i liked when it came to cab or amp emulation i have it in the in the venture in the v3 i used it on a couple of recordings and it sounded amazing so there is the option for that and it has a di and a bunch of stuff so i think it's a similar footprint to the scr di that i have here uh we shall see i'm gonna get that to do a big preamp shootout actually that's going to be fun um and then compression who knows i've used for so long i've used the miura the m2 an always on situation uh another low serial number 54 i got some low serial number guys here this wow never noticed that before um and i have a few of these actually i think i have two or three of these backups because I, I loved them so much and uh yeah, the M2 by Miura, not a bad um, option at all for an always-on, really subtle. I mean, like, super subtle to the point where it doesn't... F and here's another massively important element to all of this. It's the feel. Some of these things are going to do stuff that are almost imperceivable in terms of how they change the sound, but they do, uh, at least the way I have these things, like compression and, and preamp set up they do change the feel a little bit and this compressor the m2 was something that really sort of helped the warmth of my sound but didn't change the feel in terms of like a really aggressive compressor now you can set it up and be aggressive and do the things that compressors are most known for but this was something really different and really very musical i felt you know i, I literally plugged it in 
mess with the knobs a little bit and played some chordal stuff i think I, I seem to remember at home i was just whoa what is that some of these things sort of leapt out of my playing that i hadn't heard before so it was subtle warm warming kind of experience so that may well go on there not to say that the alma compressor here from Lusitand it might might also be a contender smallish form factor sort of regular form factor um, and really versatile as well so I have to dig a little more into that I haven't done so much of that with my own music so that 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 remains to be seen uh, I do have the BC1 from Caveman Audio but that's huge that's more of a studio unit and I have it in my studio rack for recording so that's definitely not a touring option um and yeah, the second half of the board the 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 the, the makes a little more, uh, a little more on the weird side. I would say it's where it's where the modulation is. It's where the delays, the reverbs. Um, it's where all my pitch shifting is. I had two presets in the HX stomp and I actually changed one of the one of the chords to more of a minor vibe and the other one is more hollow. Just kind of one five nine. Um, so the concept, if you haven't seen the Swiss Things video, I highly re recommend going to check that out. Again, it will be linked below in the description of this video. Just gives a bit of a deeper dive on why I'm using the Swiss Things, why I'm using the parallel loops. Um, but as uh, as time goes by, and now a week has passed since I first set this up, it's really kind of coming to light how I'm going to be able to use this live, and basically how I'm getting so much more out of the pedals I have. Like one of the things I said in the Swiss Things video was that it's kind of a bummer to it's a big it's a big unit. It's not a small footprint, and I lost a couple of pedals um, from what this board was most recently to what it is now. I actually lost a couple of pedals but it's helping me make way more use of what I have on the board, which is very cool. And it's also helping me sort of get way out there, you know, having loop two open, having these, having these kind of sounds and being able to add some modulation and mess with said modulation. Oh, I just love, I love the dark channel dark world ah. that modulation ah Ooh. really sort of degrades the sound a little bit or tape a little bit It's a really nice versatile pedal. I could do another 40 minutes just on the Chase Bliss Dark World. <clears throat> but to be able to go out there and you know, let's let's take the take the dark side out. 
and just play it takes a while to actually to melt away but just, I mean that's already a kind of sound that's going to get you fired from most gigs right so you'd better know the band leader or be the band leader if you're using it start in a fairly sane space but we can get way out there like let's just crank things up I, i'd probably normally progress into something uh, a little more subtly but let's crank some things up let's add the backlings still running there in the background I could even be here and still use all of that decaying stuff as a, as a percussive overlay to the bass line I'm playing but you know and I don't even have to go to this sound but I can go to I can go to the natural sound of the bass still get back to my decaying situation So it really, it, it, it takes away the tap dancing, number one. Um, and it's like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of setting up a preset in each side of the board. So the octaves and bit crushes, for instance, and then all the modulation, delay, reverb, and, and, and um, pitch shifting on the other side. And I'm thinking of like setting up, okay, I'm going to have this basic... Um, <laughs> comping sound perhaps in an electronic music setting then i'm going to have some setting over here where, where i have a starting point potentially like i started out just now a little reverb and and some pitch shifting and but it's like that can develop like once i get rid of that once i go from here back to the comping thing because I haven't had to worry about switching all that crap off to get to the lower bass part, I can get into the bass part, move on in the song, and then start to think, okay, you know what, when when I want a change, maybe I don't want the pitch shifting thing on anymore. So while I'm comping, I can just cruise over to the HX stomp, casually switch it off. Great, so now my preset has changed. And I can start building another preset in that loop <clears throat> while that loop is bypassed. Like that's what, you know, that's why I wish I could take the huge board. <clears throat> excuse me. That's why I wish I could take the huge board on the road with me because I could build so many options into each preset um, and just give myself that space and time while I'm comping to think, okay, what do I want, what do I want next? Where do I want to go next? Um, of course, all of that comes out of the Swiss things, goes into the ditto looper at the very end of the chain. 
Um, one thing I've thought about is having, uh, you know, I'd love to have two, sometimes three loopers on the board. I've thought about tucking one away underneath the underneath the riser and, you know, using it when I really get into that looping world and creating soundscapes and, okay, maybe I'm going to have to lift the riser up and sample something underneath and then close it again. I don't know how how often I would really do that. So again, I've got to be very realistic about what I have, what I need and and how to get there. Um, and it's sort of live brainstorming sessions like this with you guys that really help that. Um, and this is sort of my process anyway, whether I was recording the podcast or not, doing a lot of this stuff on a regular basis. One thing I didn't show in the Swiss Things video, um, one thing I didn't even have set up yet was a volume pedal. I'm just using a uh, an Ernie Ball VP Junior right now off to the side. The Swiss Things does have a volume slash expression input, uh, although I'm not using it for that. It also has a tuner out. I'm not using that either because I have a tuner in the HX stump. And I was really hoping this add-on would be here by now, but I don't think it's arriving until tomorrow. There's this little extra foot switch four and five add-on that I got, and I forget the name of the company. I'll shout them out. Uh, when it comes, I'll probably end up making a video on it. But it gives me access to um, foot switches four and five on the regular stomp that only has three built-in switches. So I'm about to have, uh, you know, a lot more access to a lot more things in the stomp. So that was also a reason why I didn't really mind losing a couple of things off the board because I'm going to be able to get to a lot more stuff in the stomp than I ever have before. Um, in that side, you know, in that preset in loop two where I have it. Uh, they do recommend in the Swiss things that you set up your octaves and distortions in loop one and then everything else in loop two. I think because they run into each other in series when you have them both uh, in. So it does make sense. It kind of keeps that integral basic frame of, you know, basic framework of uh, basic concept of laying out the pedal board octaves, fuzzes, distortions, then you get into some sort of modulation, maybe choruses, vibrato, tremolo, pitch shifting potentially. And then towards the end, you're going to have your delays, your reverbs, and finally a looper. And depending on how you set it up, potentially a compressor towards the end. Maybe you, again, maybe you do that towards the beginning. That all depends what you're looking for. Um, and then buffers, like this is buffered. I don't 100% understand buffers, but I, from what I do understand it, maintains the integrity of your signal um whereas some pedals suck that away and it's absolutely something i noticed a difference in definitely in the sound but also in the fingers like i noticed the response in the fingers being different when i was playing through the swiss things and i'm sure it's not unique in that sense. i know you can just put buffers in your board uh, i know mason marangella the rig doctor vertex effects talks about that a lot especially for guitar players and there are tons of videos that i've watched on his channel about that and uh something i never really considered that much for the bass and but here i am doing it and it's actually making a difference right now so Let's see. Is this the final setup? No, of course not. It's going to change 50 more times uh, in the next probably 10 years. I don't know. Um, maybe the next 10 months. Who really knows? Really depends what I'm doing. But it's nice to know my touring is kind of laid out for the next few months, at least through June or July. I'm going to be in the US a bunch, East Coast, Midwest. Uh, we're playing in LA at the Baked Potato with Steve Smith, Vital Information. That is May 3rd three four five i believe it is something like that then we go to china to taiwan like a bunch of stuff is already laid out so i sort of know what i need 
you know, I'm, I'm planning on a new record, a new big project. I really would like that to be in Japan. Who knows yet? 2024 big project that still isn't set as of yet, but that probably won't be until October or November. And then when it's my own project, I feel like I can take a board like this, the sort of the nucleus, the brain center of it all, and then just have little add-ons. And to that end, I'll probably take some sort of... Um, Exter extra external loop situation so I can add pedals to and from the board as as and when I need them uh, for little little flourishes here and there, little different flavors when I hear them on a song when it makes sense for the production. So, yeah, it's versatile. I will say that it's really it really is quite versatile for how small it is and how kind of few pedals we got. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven pedals on the board that do anything to the sound we have utility pedals like the looper and the swiss things so that makes nine total then i'll have a preamp and a compressor most likely underneath so that's 11 pedals on a tiny board with all the power goes in a small pelican 15 10 it's definitely yeah it's as versatile and as small uh, as there's the best balance between those two things i've been able to find so far and i'll continue to update you all on it as it inevitably um updates <laughs> and changes and morphs and goes in all kinds of different places um before i get out of here chordal harmony jazz vocabulary 251 bass players guide to altered chords and scales bass players warm up all the good stuff and all the better stuff are in stock right now uh, my most popular book pentatonics as i'm sure any of you are aware if you got tried to go buy a signed copy of my website it's been sold out for a minute they sell out so quick um, i am upping the order every time i order copies i'm upping it slightly each time i don't want to get stuck here with 500 books and eventually they, they just stop selling so i'm upping it proportionally each time but they do sell out really quick uh, this week they're coming back in a few days they will be back but they inevitably will sell out again so be quick if you want one of the pentatonic books otherwise all of the others are are in stock right now um albeit in limited supply and if you want a lesson on two five ones and uh, one kind of line one linear idea that sort of unlocks unlocked my playing in a big way not just my soloing but my bass playing as well that was the last video i posted on the channel so go check that out it's also linked in the description below um and the last few cds from the union from 2019 signed copies of the cd are shipping worldwide as well so go grab one of those um if you're a fan of live of real music and actually still have a cd player if you're one of the few of us that still that can listen to music on in its physical form um and that's it uh yeah holy crap that was a lot of talking there was a lot of pedals this was twice the length i anticipated it being but it's always fun to talk about this stuff out loud. Give me comments. Give me feedback. Let me know what you think, what you need. And if you have questions about signal chain and signal flow and signal path and what pedals should go where, let me know. I'm always happy to answer questions. I try and get to all the comments that get left. And uh, until next time, that's it. Later. <laughs>